right. So I want to talk to you all uh, today about uh, vision meets provision. Uh, and so this is uh, not going to be a series. It's going to be a one-time thing. But I, as I was reading, uh, I just wondered, you know, where does it meet? If God gives vision, will there be provision? Then what does that look like? Uh, and so if you would, just pray with me. God, thank you so much. You're here in this place. Uh, we just want to recognize that, that you are worthy. Um, like Doug said earlier, we just say, we just stand in awe of you and, this, and the things that you want to use us for. Uh, so, God, come, come meet us in this place. Um, God, we, we lean forward into your presence, and we say, God, come and move. In Jesus' name, amen. And, and so it was about five years ago for me um, when I was, I was teaching econ, um, economics. Does everybody know what that is? Does everybody know what economics is too? So economics is the way we say it in Polk County, and economics is the way they say it in Washington, D.C., okay? So <laughs> there's econ. No, I'm just kidding. Calm down. I'm offended. Okay. Um, so econ. So I'm teaching this. I'm teaching macro econ. I'm teaching, like, college-level advanced placement, and then I'm teaching regular econ too, all right? And... Um, I said, man, I think it's just time to do something else, you know. And so, of course, the natural flow would be to go and teach, like, government, right, or something like that. Um, but I said, you know what, I think I want to teach TV production. And uh, at the time, I was shooting photography fairly regularly, uh, which I enjoyed. I really did enjoy that. I love seeing the, the end product. I love sending people the postcard that said, not everybody pays me to shoot them, but you did. And, um, and so we sent this. And uh, so I knew that this position was opening at the school, and I knew that uh, I wanted to do it. Like, I just felt like I wanted to do it. I, have a, I had a great relationship, still do with the principal over at Jenkins. Um, I loved movies. All right, still love movies, and so I thought, we can do this. Like, I got this. Of course, I talked to my uh, number one advisor, Jen, uh, and she said, yeah, go for it. It's cool. She gave one stipulation. It's not going to, like, consume you, right? Like, you still have to be home. And I said, yeah, of course. And um, so I asked my principal, and I said, hey, would it be cool if I – took over the TV program. And he was like, you know, that's going to be a lot more hours and stuff like that. I said, yeah, I can, we can make it work. And um, he thought about it. And I'm sure, I mean, let's give the guy some credit here. I mean, I'm going to take over the TV program. This goes out to every classroom. You know, we do an awards thing. And I'm sure he was kind of like, what the heck? Okay, a little cold sweat maybe on the neck. Yes, he remembers the toilet seat pass that I used the time I was out on the roof. That's neither here nor there. But um, so I can only imagine. He's probably a little frightened, but he allowed me to do it anyways. Okay, he trusted me. And so I take over this position, and I'll never forget. See, the first time I had gone into TV production, uh, the room is probably the equivalent square footage of our entire place here maybe. I don't know. Would you say, Sarah? Like, it's pretty, it's huge, right? And so, um, 
you go in, and it's big. And it's got, it looked like NASA, kind of. It had all these towers and these cameras, and I'm like, whoa. You know, I thought, wow, this place is really cool, right? Now, it's different, though, when you go in and you know you're going to teach there. And you're going to be in charge of that, all right? And so I went in the second time, years later, because I had helped some teachers on movies and stuff like that and acted and that kind of thing. And so I went in knowing that I was going to take over. It was different. It was a different story. It was that, uh, that where you're like, what did I do? Okay, I got to run this place. And it's like crazy, okay? Relief. All those towers and everything, I come to find out a year later, they don't do anything. <laughs> they didn't, like, we had towers from here to the wall with, like, I seriously think, like, thousands of feet of cable. And we fit it into a box that could fit on this tabletop that was probably about four feet tall and, you know, two feet wide. Everything that was functional. So I was scared for nothing, really. Right, and so we moved all that stuff, and then we were kind of streamlining stuff. and And I remember thinking, well, Jake and I made some videos for church, right? Like this is kind of the same deal. And so we went in, and but I thought, well, this is next level. Okay, we're going to do a daily news show every day. Something has to be produced. We're going to do a competition with ten creative categories. Um, and I was thinking, I just have a small clue of what I'm doing. Like small. When I say small, I mean small, like iMovie small. All right? That's what comes on Max is iMovie. That's a video editing software. If you ever use it, you probably love it. All right? We're, we were stepping up into pro stuff with Final Cut Pro, and I'm like, <laughs> okay. And so here's what I knew, though. I knew that I felt like I had the, the green light to do it. I asked God about it, and I said, God, is this something that I can do? Yes. Okay, go for it. So I felt good. Jen felt good about it. And so what I had to see, though, over the next months, when I said yes, over those next two and a half months, I had to work my butt off, all right? Um, and so I familiarized myself. I started watching news more critically. How, do they, how does it flow? How does it go? Um, and, how, and I was watching it more not for content but more for, like, visual appearance, all right? How does, how does this network do it? How do they do it? There's, and there's this flow to news, right? And so you have that. I studied film uh, more than just going to see a movie. I, like, was looking at it critically now, all right? I was looking at the rules of film and how it works. And uh, I was placing value on video editing. I always told my kids, I was like, editors actually make your stuff look good, okay? You can look great on camera. Uh, you can do everything that looks good. But if you don't have good editors, you don't have a final product that looks good. All right, and so I placed high value on the video editing software and getting to know that. Um, I took classes so that I would be more proficient that summer, and the school spent money on me to do that. All right, they spent about $3,400 on me to take classes uh, to get to this whatever certification. And um, so then I was finally, like, certified in Final Cut Pro X, and I knew all this stuff, and it was great. But it was this mountain that I felt, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this in two and a half months. Here's what the deal was. I wasn't able to do it, all right? I didn't get all of it done. And so what do you do? When you're in a fire, you learn how to run around, right? All right? So the first year was crazy, all right? Uh, but I felt like this. Nothing was going to stop me. 
And I had this attitude like, dude, we are not going to get burnt up in here. We are going to do this, and we're going to move forward. And I never looked at my class as a project. I never looked at my students as minions, although they were sometimes. Um, but I looked at it as here's, here's the vision that we're going to lay out. We're going to have a great program, but I don't care about, I didn't, I told him, I said, I don't care about awards because if we're not having fun, then we're not doing what we're supposed to do, all right? If we win along the way, that's going to be great, all right? And I hope that we win, but if we don't, like at the end of the day, if we can look at each other and say, dude, we tried our hardest and we had a really good time doing it, that was my main thing. And so I looked at it as we were, we were people with co-interest, all right? Obviously, I was the teacher. They were the student, but we were in it together. And so we were going to build this thing. And I gave them a vision, I thought. And so some of them grabbed a hold of it, and everything worked out perfect. <laughs> not really, right? Okay, not at all. There were days where the video, where the news would air, and I'm like, I don't even know why we're airing this. This is horrifying, all right? And then there were days where it aired, and I'm like, yes, like that was it, man. Okay, we got it. All right, there were short films that we did that were just, just, they were just that. They were just nasty. They were gross, man, the final product. But there were short films that turned out, all right, and they were like, oh, my gosh, that was awesome, you know, kind of give you chills at the end, and you're thinking, man, these kids are killing it, all right. And so uh, those days were both good, though. Because we learned something from both of those days. Like we talked about last week, the good workout and the bad workout. We learned something, hopefully, from both of those days. A lot of times, my thought was, we're going to air this thing, and the kids are going to be like, oh, my gosh, please don't have my name associated with it. But then we would put their name real big. Like if they didn't turn in a package, I would put on there. Uh, Sarah Kilby was supposed to turn in a package, but she didn't. So we're going to air blank space. (laughs) And then we'd come back, and the editor, because the way it worked out, not the editor, but the anchor would say, thanks, Sarah. (laughs) There was nothing there, all right? And so we learned from that, though. Holy smokes, this guy's crazy. Like, he's really going to do this, okay? And so um, they learned from that. Some of them didn't, and some of them had their names multiple times on there. Thanks for nothing. Um, And so I'm sure you felt this way, though, before, right? You felt this way where you're overwhelmed, but at the same time, you were so sure about what you were doing. You were so sure that God had said yes, and you're, you're wondering sometimes, how in the world is this going to work out? And so here's the question that I have to say to us is this. As Christ followers, have we ever felt like this where we say, okay, God, I feel like you're leading me, but how? But how are you going to do this? How is it going to work out? And, and so we find ourselves in that situation sometimes. And so I want you to turn with me, and it will be on the screen too, uh, to Numbers 13. Or you're going to be turning to 14. I'm going to kind of summarize 13. It's in the Old Testament, man. Good stuff. Uh, like we said last week, what is, it's the Old Testament, the First Testament, if you will. All right. Um, And so we see in 13, at this time, they had come out of Egypt already. Israel complaining as usual, right? That's what they did. And um, and so you have this nation that's that's complaining. 
and then so God, you know, Moses says, I can't even take this anymore. Like, I'm going to need some help here. Okay, so they choose 70, and then, and then they're going to say, okay, God tells them, send 12 out, one from each tribe, and to explore this land, all right, that God has promised us. And so they go out, all right, these 12 go out. Uh, we're going to be talking about two in particular. You'll get that in a second, though. And they did this for 40 days. They checked out the land, all right. And they brought back some stuff that was crazy. Like you, when you think about it, it says in there that they brought back a cluster of grapes that two dudes had to carry on a stick. Okay? Now, I don't think that they were like tiny people. All right? Like they're this big from the tabletop. Okay? So they did. They had to carry on a toothpick. They carried a cluster of grapes. I don't think that's what it was. These grapes were huge. I'm thinking like, can you imagine bowling with a grape? Right? Seriously. On a stick, they carried a cluster of grapes. So they they see that this is what they call flowing, a land flowing with milk and honey. That means it was just, it was a rich land full of nutrient soil, full of growth, and full of promise. All right? But they come back, and this is kind of where we're going to start off uh, in 14, and that should be um, rolling up on the screen here. And it says this. They, they kind of give this report. Uh, it's great, uh, but the scouting report, I'm sorry, in 1325, it says this. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. Now, I'm just picturing this. Seriously. Like, can you imagine they, like, lay down this cluster of your grapes, and you're like, what is that? Someone leans over and like, dude, that's grapes, bro. You're like, shut your mouth. Okay? Some of you are thinking, how much wine can you make off that? All right? Nikki, calm down. Okay, so uh, they reported to the whole community. Uh, this was their report. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and indeed a found a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces, but the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak, the Amalekites in the, in the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, cool names, live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But other men who had explored the land disagreed. We cannot go up against these people. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land amongst the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes there to live. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants, the descendants, the descendants of Enoch. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's, and that's what they thought too. Okay? So what kind of picture does that put in for you? It's cool in the sense that there's this... There's this harvest there, right? There's this plentifulness, but there's this 
overwhelming sense of, man, we could really get our butts kicked here, right? Because if I feel like a grasshopper next to someone, all right. Now, how many of you guys have watched an NBA or NFL game on TV, right? Many of you, you have. Thank you, one person. Okay, I know you have. Got the Green Bay Packers shirt on, represent. And so we've watched this, right? And these dudes, here's the thing. They all don't look that big because until the referee comes and tries to break up the scuffle, right? They're like, come on. And this guy's like this. And you're like, is that real? Okay. Or an NBA where you have a center that's 7-1. And I'm not talking 7-1 like a praying mantis. I'm talking 7-1 and built like a house. All right. And so these are large mammals. Okay. Are you guys getting that picture? And and seven one, you don't feel like. I mean, I do you feel like a grasshopper around seven one? I would describe it like that. I'd be like, man, I think this guy could crush me. You know, what do you do like that when someone slaps your best friend like that? You know, <laughs> you're like, dude, that's. Go ahead and hit me too. I mean, you know, do you just give up at that point? I thought of, I've thought about that. Someone asked me the other day, like, what do you do when like this rip dude just slaps your friend. You're like, dude, that's not even fair that you wouldn't punch me too. Okay? So, there's, you, can, you can feel this defeat, but, but Caleb, Caleb's going to say, dude, we can take this land, and, and if we fast forward, we're going to hear this over and over again, where these men of God rise up, and they say, we can do this. You know, you guys might recall a little story where David all right, he comes up to the front line to deliver food to his brothers, and he's like, who is that fool <laughs> that would come against Israel? Different mindset, right? Like everybody else is like, dude, I don't want to go out and fight that guy. There ain't no way, man. David goes out there. He says, put on the armor. He can't move in the king's armor, okay, way too heavy. Here you got David. He says, dude, I got this. Don't worry about it. Everybody's thinking, this guy is a lunatic. They thought that until that first stone hit Goliath in the forehead. And then, bang, they're like, genius. I knew he could do it. I knew it. <laughs> Who doubted this guy, okay? You know, you know how that goes. These guys, there's no way that this football team can win. Oh, I knew it. I knew they would win. I had. You, I wrote down the score. Okay, so... So anyways, they come back, and they're, they're, everybody's upset, and then it goes into 14-1. And, and here you got this. It gets better. Don't worry. We're, all right? And so you got to ask this, though. I mean, what lens were they looking through? They were looking through the lens of humanness, right? They weren't even, uh, they weren't even depending on God at this point. They were saying there's no way. And then we have 14-1 through 4. It says, Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. That wasn't new. If we only had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained, why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives, our little ones will be carried off as plunder wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted 
among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Here's my question for them is how in the world were you planning on getting back to Egypt? Were you going to go through the Red Sea that God parted again? Were you going to do that? Was that you going to show up at the shores and that's going to happen again? You know, and in our lives, how many times do we forget so often what God has done for us not too long ago? We're talking about a year or so separating these events. We don't look back, right? We were, I was talking to somebody at, um, we met up for coffee the other day, Terry Green. I said, dude, how many times do we have like some 10 great things happen at work and one bad thing? And that's the thing that we talk about when we get home. And so these people here. These people of God that, that God has chosen that, that said, take the land, they're really doubting. They're saying, well, okay, but I want to go back to Egypt, you know, the land where you sent ten plagues. Uh, okay. The land where, where, you know, we walked through the sea and then we, we saw the Egyptians get swallowed up after us. Here's what we can do, though. We can get so used to the situation that we're in, that it becomes comfortable. You think about someone that's been in jail, and you don't want to be in jail. Have you guys ever watched these shows? Like Lock Up, I think it's called, Lockdown maybe. I'm like, I would be in the corner weeping. I'm not even kidding, you know. And I'm like, why do these people just, they keep going back though. And someone will tell you it's just better in there. And they've become so used to it that they can't function. And I believe that we're the same way in some ways, that we're so used to living a certain way. When something different happens, we don't know how to react. God, why could you, how could you be doing this to us? And God's saying, well, I'm building character and making you a better person. And so they wanted to go back. If we read on in 14.5, it says this, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephone. We'll read about him later. Um, They tore their clothing. They said to the people of Israel, The land... We traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. Has an exclamation point there. They didn't like say this like, guys, you know that was a great land. Stop playing. They said, what are you guys thinking? The land that we traveled through is great. It was awesome. These were were the two people out of 12 that were saying this. They said, this is great. It's a wonderful land. And here's the key. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a it is rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people in the land. They are only helpless. Pray to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid. Now, here's the deal. This is two guys, man. And at this point, you got to think, wow, that's like really good news, man. Okay, I'm starting to feel these two. We shouldn't be afraid. And when I think about it, so much of what I think about, you know, 
we're moving forward in reaching out to this community, and we're going to do this thing. We haven't named it yet. I named it, pseudo-named it, trash talking or talking trash. I don't know. You know, it's cheesy, ultimately. I don't care what it's called. It, Ariana Glennon came up with it. It's this. So if it doesn't work, it, you know, it's on her. No, I'm just kidding. So, no, it's this, though, and it's a great idea is this. We're going to go down Cherry Lane, and we're going to pick up trash. Okay, we're going to go into those neighborhoods. I don't know if you've ever been out there, in there. I've encouraged you guys before. Drive through there. Pray over it. Okay, we're going to go. We're going to pick up some trash. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick up trash, and we're going to talk to people. All right? Because here's what I know. We can send flyers out. We can put the Lakeland Vineyard logo. Oh, that looks familiar. That's right down the street. But until you put a face, all right, with a name, a lot of times people aren't going to come. All right, so what do we want to do? Well, we want to reach out to that neighborhood. Now, you might think, well, it's a little different from where I live. All right, I'm scared. Okay, good. It's awesome. It's probably God then. All right, I'm uncomfortable with that. Great. Come out with us also that are uncomfortable, and let's be comforted by each other. Seriously. All right? Because I'm thinking, okay, if we go out and pick up trash, I just love it, man, because you know why I love it? It it is the most humiliating thing, not humiliating, humble thing that you could do. And I don't do that because, hey, let's put a humble badge on us. But here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to bring the circus to the neighborhood. Hey, look what we have. Step right up. We got blow-ups and this and that and, you know, win a goldfish or whatever. Okay? I just, that sends the wrong message to me. You know, look what we can offer you. When you go and pick up trash, it's like that silver and gold we don't have moment. We don't have anything to offer you, but we can pray for you. And uh, so here's the, the thing is this. We don't need to be afraid. See, where there's a vision, if God is planting that vision in you, like he's planting it in me for that neighborhood, and that, so Yule, out to Yule, okay, Old 37, that whole area there. If God's planning that vision, then guess what? There's going to be provision. Does it mean everything's going to be perfect? No. But here's what the kingdom is going to come. How do I know that? Because he's alive and well and living in us. And God is in the business of transforming lives. And God cares about the poor. And he cares about the downhearted. And if we don't, we're not following Christ. We're following an ideology that of goodness. And so we've got to say, hey, we're looking at the land, all right? And we've got to have the attitude of Caleb and Joshua. We've got to be able to stand up and say, God, you've planted us here. You've given us this land, and we know it. It's not perfect, there's giants out there. We might say, God, this, but there, I know, I just know there's drug dealers. Sweet. God loves them too. Okay? He does. It's dangerous. You're right. And not just the neighborhood. Here's what I'm talking about in our own lives. How many times are we so nervous? Where God has, God's given us a plan and a purpose and a, and a destiny right here, right now. But we're so nervous to share it with people. 
We're so nervous to even utter the words, that's horrible, man. Can I pray with you? You know? We're, are we going to, you, you meet with people, whoa, man, whoa. Don't be talking about God that loud, dude. People might not know him around here. All right? I mean, maybe I'm the only one. You know? Yeah, Jesus, man, he just showed up. You're in the middle of a coffee shop. Your friend's like, Jesus was just there, man. And you're like, bro, you're yelling. I don't know if you, I don't know, if you know that. <laughs> you're currently just yelling, okay? But, and um, who cares, though? You know? And so we've got to get this mindset where, you know what, I don't care, God. Use me, pour me out. And so he goes on. They go on in verse 10. The people, they should have taken that news in the first half. In the second half of uh, 14.10, it says this. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Man, I mean, this dude thought he presented some good ideas. I got him, dude. Joshua, chill, I got it. Caleb steps up to the mic, takes said mic, presents it, the truth of what was going on, people start whipping out the tomatoes, okay, if he was a comedian, but they were not tomatoes, they were hard stones, and they were like, we should kill these two. This wasn't like, when we think of stones, I know when I was younger, uh, I thought, I'm not going to describe it fully, um, when I thought stoning was like, you know, plink, <laughs> got them, okay, and when I, you heard of people getting stoned to death, I'm like, dude, they must have been just on repeat pelting this dude. I mean, we're talking about yeah, throwing a stone. And so we talk about this, and, and they wanted to stone this good news-bearing, positive, God-trusting dudes. And it's crazy to me that we could do that even in the church today. How dare you? want to share the gospel boldly? How dare you want to go into a neighborhood and do that? And so we'll read on 10 through 12. So they said they were going to stone him. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me? Even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them, I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. When I read that, the first thing I wrote down was don't play with God. Don't play. Okay, can you imagine being that? Let's stone these guys. This presence shows up and you're like, okay, or not. Um, just kidding. But if we read, if we read on there, he says, Moses, who Moses is, he's worn out. Okay. Basically tells God in the previous chapters, I can't do this anymore by myself. I mean, these people are driving me insane. So God gives him instruction on how to deal with that. Right. But he, he, he says, God, please, please, please forgive these people. He intercedes for these people. As you read on in 14, he, he intercedes for these people. But God says this, they will not enter the land. 
Not a single one of them except for who? Caleb and Joshua. And when he says Caleb and Joshua, he means their families. Okay? They will enter the land. Here's what my challenge is to Lakeland Vineyard this morning and to myself. Because understand this, every time that I'm up here speaking, I am not speaking to you as if I have it all together. Because I don't. But the challenge to us this morning, Lakeland Vineyard, is this. If God has truly spoken to us about the land, then it's time to take it. And I'm not just talking about a, a quadrant that is next to us. I'm talking about when we go out into our city, that we look at it as the land is ours. That God has, in fact, empowered us by the Holy Spirit to be land takers. Now, here's what the deal is. We're going to take the land. All right? And it says it's nothing, nothing can get in the way of God. It's going to happen. And, but the attitude is not of arrogance but of humility. Isn't it funny that we want to, and this is my vision of it is this, that we want to come in like Christ and we want to serve well. That is the opposite of how you take land, right? We would normally come in with a, you know, M60 and some, you know, bruiser bombs before that, and we would take the land, correct? We would repair the land that we damaged, and we would take the land because that's how we take land. Christ was going to take the land, but he came as a humble servant. Okay? It says in here, Moses was the most humble person on earth, most servant leader there could be, and God chose him to lead the people. So we don't go in arrogantly because how easy it is to be arrogant, right? You have a message that you know is true. Correct? If I have a message that I know is true, I can tend to be arrogant. But I want to be humble and full of humility. And so what I would encourage us is with this, this morning is this. If we're going to take the land, it's going to start first by prayer. And if you're not praying over that particular neighborhood, you need to be. That's what we're doing. As Lakeland Vineyard, if you say, yeah, I'm a part of Lakeland Vineyard, that's what we're doing. And then you need to pray every day where you have influence. That means where your feet step. And let me tell you something. You have influence. Some of you haven't recognized that influence because you haven't recognized that the Holy Spirit is living within you and dwelling within you. If you have a, right, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus has made you right with the Father. And so you need to say, God, I come into you, I, I want to be in a relationship with you, Jesus. I believe that you're the king of kings. I believe that you were born of a virgin, that you lived a life on earth, that you, that you died for our sins and were hung on a cross, and that three days later you rose again with a power that was to break sin and to break that yoke off of my back. And so would you come in power and move? And here's what the deal is. It's not always going to look easy. Jacob, excuse me, Joshua and Caleb could have very easily come back discouraged. I don't know how we're going to do that. Okay, let me give you some good news. 
we're going to be working um, together with Medell Elementary School. We're already setting some stuff up. Had a great meeting with Terry Green about FCA. It's going to happen in the fall, all right? We're going to do one more breakfast there for the teachers to appreciate them and what they're doing at that school and the impact that they're having on those kids' lives. But here's what I would encourage you with. Start to study the land. Start to know the land. And if God has led us there, he will give us the land. And the deal is this. I believe with all my heart that God has led us there. We are planted here, 2023, West Pipkin Road, for a reason. And it is to minister to the people that are around us. To the least, okay, person is where and when we're supposed to minister. And so I encourage you with this. And this is why I think it's so important for us to be in small groups. Small groups are more than just going to be praying for your children. Small groups are going to be more than just praying for your spouse, more than studying uh, your destiny, more than uh, Babylon, more than Luke Acts, more than this, uh, Paul, more than, um, what is it, living in the goodness of God. It's more than that. It's a time when we can come together as the body of Christ, and we can sharpen one another. That sometimes I got to say to April here, April, don't forget that God has given you destiny and purpose. Because if April's out there wandering around by herself, okay, and she's leading worship up here, and she's getting discouraged because she has no one to really encourage her in her walk, guess what? That's not going to end well for April. See, but we think, we think we can do fine. We can do okay by ourselves. And I just don't believe that. I'm sorry. We'll go back to if Jesus surrounded himself with 12 people, then that tells me I need to do the same thing. You know, how, well, no one cares about me. Who knew? You were just supposed to know. That's not going to happen. That's not reality. If I don't tell Jen how I'm feeling, guess what? She's not going to know. She could, you're a little off, you know? What's going on? But if I don't tell her and I'm open with her, that's what these groups are. These groups are saying, I want to be sharpened, right? I want to be encouraged. I want to go out as a group and maybe do some stuff. Great. Thriving in Babylon. How do we live right now? Well, here's one of the ways that we can do it. We can go out and we can minister to people as a group. See, this whole thing, and this is great, guys. I love being with, meeting with you all on Sunday morning, but we have got to catch a vision that's bigger than Sunday morning. We've got to, because if we don't, there is no thriving. If Sunday morning is your highlight and there's nothing else going on, that's a low light. I'm just going to encourage you with that because I think it's as real as it gets. What are we doing? Do you know your neighbor's names? I'm talking about in your neighborhood. Do you know their names? Do you say hi to them? Do you truly care about them? I'm asking myself the same question. Do we know our neighbors? Do we care about them? And and that's what we need to do. We need to ask ourselves then as Lakeland Vineyard, do we know our neighbors? Do we care about them? And so I encourage you this, this morning that God is going to give provision where there's vision.
And I believe with all my heart that God has given us a vision of that neighborhood. And I believe that there's going to be provision there. And we're going to start impacting the lives of people.